You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Diana, welcome to Real Faith Stories. So good to have you here. Really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me on. I'm absolutely honored to be on your show today and looking forward to everything we're going to discuss. Well, I'm going to open with a quote from you, and here it is. It is our responsibility to believe God and take him at his word and act on it in faith. God loves us, but he will not do it for us. It's our job to renew our mind with the word of God and learn to hear his voice so that when he tells us to move, we'll obey his voice above anything else. So, Diana, I know we're going to dig into that as we talk here today. What I'd love for you to do first is please share your backstory, where you grew up, how you came to faith, and then really this whole trajectory of God inculcating boldness into you and you doing that for other people. Please go ahead and share some of your backstory. I would be honored to. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, West Texas. And the fun thing about that is when you grow up in West Texas, you love being friendly to people. You know a lot of people. If you know anything about the area of Texas, very friendly, wonderful place to grow up. As I was raised in that environment, my parents went to church. A lot of people go to church in in that area. But The shift came when I was six years old. I know that sounds so young because I was raised in church and many people are raised in church. But when I was six years old, my family started going to a church that started teaching about the Holy Spirit and his power. Uh Uh-oh. And I know (laughs) it's kind of fun because what was really awesome about this is uh, my parents had both been raised in church. However, once they got really into this church that started teaching more about the Holy Spirit and him being our helper, him being the one that walks alongside us and that he's sent from heaven to be here on earth with us to guide us. That's when things started changing in their life. And so that goes back to my story. When I was six, I was saved and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I love sharing that part of my story because at six, many people are thinking, oh, what could you know at six years old? However, Jesus himself said, no one can enter into the kingdom of heaven without faith like a child. And so I love the simplicity of faith when it is childlike Mm. because you can receive. And so when I started to hear about the Holy Spirit, that he would give me power, Acts 1-8, that he came to give us boldness to be a witness and give us power, that I really believed it. So that's really where my story starts is even at six years old, I had that childlike faith. Okay, you tell me this is real. I'm going to take it. And at that time, when the Holy Spirit came into my life with salvation and also just the fire of God, I really started to just be bold, even as a child. So I know that's a rare story, but as a child, sixth grade, junior high, high school, college age, young adult, married life, all the way till now, even in sixth grade, 
I came to my mom one day and I said, I'd really love to have a Bible study with my friends from school. And she said, well, why don't you just start it right here in our house? I'll make breakfast. You get the Bible out and invite a couple of friends over and just start looking at scripture and break it down and talk about it. I said, that's a great idea. And so my first Bible study ever was in sixth grade that I was leading. I love to share that because, you know, the Lord just tells us to step out and that he's no respecter of persons, that he knows our age and there's nothing about youth that we should hold back. And so I love to empower young people, men or women, young boys or girls, that they are positioned right where they're at to be an influence and make a difference in people around them. Well, let me circle back on the whole boldness thing. Again, that is a theme that I've seen in your life based on our previous conversations. I'd love to unpack how that boldness has increased from grade school, junior high, high school. Can you please share a couple examples Of course, you just shared about the Bible study in sixth grade. Can you share some examples that really stick out in your mind as these were really bold moments? And they may have come with some trepidation, but you stepped out anyway. Yes, absolutely. It comes with some fear or intimidation. But that power of the Holy Spirit is the key because we don't do it in our own ability. And we don't do it in our flesh and just think, oh, I've got to get enough nerve. You do have to allow your flesh to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in you and step out in faith to do something bold for Jesus. So my sophomore year of high school, I was going to a brand new high school. It was a large 5A high school in Lubbock, Texas. I went to the principal. I made an appointment with him and I sat down across his desk and I said, here is my goal for this year. He's not used to a lot of kids coming in their sophomore (laughs) year and having a goal for the year. And he said, what is it? I said, it's to lead as many people to the saving knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ as possible this year. He's thinking, who is this? He was like, what is this? I've never heard of this. But he said, okay, I'll support you in that. I said, he said, what do you need? I said, I need the cafeteria. I want to have lunch. I want to get all of the kids that are football team, cheerleading, you know, student council, rally the people that are really the, the leaders of the school and start doing a Bible study in the cafeteria before school. And so he said, sure, you got it. And so that's what we did. And we had a radical time of just getting people introduced to the reality of Jesus, that he's not there for a religion or check the boxes or far, far away in heaven, that he doesn't care about them, but he's right there. And he's literally knocking on the door of their heart, asking to come in and have relationship with them. And all they have to do is open that door and say, yes, I want to know you. I want to give my life to you. And I yield control to you. I need a savior. I can't do this on my own. I can't do life on my own. And I'm tired of living in the pit or the sin or the place of failure that I've been in. I really need to know Jesus. And so that's what we did. And out of that, we brought a lot of of kids from school to my youth group at the church I was at at that time took them on ski trips, took them on retreats, all sorts of stuff. And many, many people are in full-time ministry 
today as pastors and leaders and ministers out of that group. So it's a great result. Praise God. Oh, praise God. That's right. So no doubt as people came to Christ or rededicated their lives to him during that season when you were a sophomore, I would suspect people were asking you, how are you so bold? How can I have the same boldness, right? Yes. And so what did you tell them? Yeah, I love that question. I told them it's about authentic relationship with Jesus. It's not about head knowledge or what all I can do to try to earn my way to heaven or try to please him enough that he would accept me. It's receiving the good news of the gospel that he came bridging relationship with man and God and and making a way that we could not make on our own and dying for us on the cross, taking our place, taking the sin that from our lives and all of the shame or all of the things that we were born into that sinful nature, everyone was born a sinner. That leaves nobody out. Nobody's perfect and nobody can do it on their own. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And as he died on the cross and he took our place, then he went to the grave. He took the keys of death and hell from the enemy, which is super important because it gave us the victory once he did that. When he went to the grave and that stone was in front of the grave and then he rose again on the third day, which is my favorite holiday, Easter, because it's all about that resurrection power, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It was a huge amount of working power to raise someone from the dead, Jesus Christ. And he broke out of that tomb and he forever lives. And because of that, we get to have an authentic relationship with God, the father through Jesus, the son, with the power of the Holy Spirit left here on earth to be our guide and our leader. And when we really get to know what the gift that he's given us, nothing can stop us from that boldness coming out that we've got to share the good news so that others will know what they get to have. They get to have eternal life with God in heaven. But even beyond that, they get to have a wonderful and amazing, joy-filled life here on earth. They get to have both. And so I felt like as I shared authentically with my friends, with other students in high school, and even transitioning to college, I went to Texas Tech University. I was in a sorority there as a Kappa Kappa Gamma, all of the things. And I still decided I'm going to stand out for Jesus. I'm going to start a Bible study in Kappa. I'm going to be that person that's the go-to when they need prayer. They might mock you for a while, but then suddenly they turn around and go, hey, I need you. I need you to pray. This is happening in my life. And you're actually a person that, that really has evidence that you believe what you say you believe. I hear everything you're saying with respect to what Christ has done to purchase that boldness, that freedom. When it gets down to the nub of the issue where you've got people that want to be bold, but they're not sure how to cross that chasm into boldness, what would you counsel them to do? I would counsel them to read the Word of God, the living, active Word of God that's alive and powerful so that they can begin to know who they are in Christ Once they become a new creation in Christ Jesus, the old is gone, it's passed away, the new has come and begun. It's truly based in the identity question, isn't it? Yes. How does somebody 
embrace that new identity? How does that happen so that they actually have that boldness come upon them? Or is there some choosing in here too? Yes. So many people want God to do it all for them, but he actually has given us the roadmap and the path to life is through the word of God. The word of God is the GPS for our life to tell us where to go and what to do and who we are. Also tells us who God is and how we can trust him, how we can believe in him. And then it tells us who we are in him. Now that we've received this free gift of salvation, now what do we do with it? What has he called us to do on the earth? And it starts with Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we must renew our mind, our way of thinking. Because in the natural, before we were in darkness, and once we stepped into a new creation in Christ Jesus, and we have become born again, we now have a new life in front of us, but we've got to figure out what does that look like and how do I think now? How do I get rid of the old way of thinking and embrace that new way of thinking? And that's really through renewing our mind with the word of God, we're transformed and no longer follow the ways of the world, but we begin to know the perfect will of God for our life. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to circle back to that key component is God isn't going to do it for us. Right. It's our responsibility to ingest the word, to embrace the word of God. And then it comes down to just like you had to, you had to make a choice to go to that principle. You had to make a choice in college to stand out. It just doesn't happen, does it? Exactly. That's the point at which faith really comes alive is when you just choose, regardless of how your flesh feels, to do what you sense the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Is that fair? Totally fair. I teach a lot of young women and women my own age and even older women. I I teach a lot of people discipleship. And really what that looks like is setting a time where you can get quiet, get your Bible, open it, and just simply say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to speak to me. I ask for this word as I read it for the Holy Spirit to speak to me and make it real to me. And in John chapter 14, one of the things that I love the most that Jesus taught us, and and many people know about Jesus, but they don't know exactly what all he said. Something I love about this chapter, John chapter 14 and 15 really describes what Jesus is calling us to do and how the Holy Spirit has a role in giving us this edge, this edge to live, this boldness, this life, this life that's so different and so unique to stand out and not go with the crowd. And in verse nine, Jesus said to him, have I been with you for such a long time and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe I'm in the father and the father is in me? And the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who lives in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe me on account of the works themselves. Truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will do the works that I do also. And he will do greater works than these because I'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's powerful because people don't know, oh, Jesus is telling me that he's in me now. 
And when I ask the Father, which is God the Father, in the name of Jesus, he's going to hear my prayers. He's going to listen. He's going to empower me. He's going to help me. He's going to position me to make an impact on the earth so that others can know who he is. And and I, so I just feel like it goes back to that identity of he's in me and I'm in him. And he goes further to talk about that, that now I live in you and we're one. It's a really beautiful picture and it gives you confidence and boldness. Let's fast forward, Diana, to a life experience you had. You used to live in New Mexico. Then the Lord started to prompt you about moving back to Texas. Yes. Let's talk about that story. That was a huge step of faith, wasn't it? It was absolutely huge. 100%. We lived in New Mexico about 18 years and all of my children were born there. My husband and I were married there. Neither one of us from there, but after college landed there and met there and got married in Albuquerque. All of my kids were going to private Christian school. I was serving at my church, leading women's ministry. We were leading marriage ministry. Lots of great things happening. We actually even had properties and investment properties we owned in real estate there. Lots of things. My husband has a career in engineering and he had his job there. My family had lived there. They weren't from there, but they had moved there once we were all there. So my parents were there, my brother and his wife, so many things. However, When you begin to be led by the spirit of God inside of you, the Holy Spirit, and he starts to stir you with a direction that he wants you to step out in boldness. That's what we're talking about today, this bold faith to obey him. Then you have a choice. You said this earlier. It's not all God. He's not going to do it for you. He gives you an option. He gives you a choice. If you want to walk with obedience, you start to feel this nudge. And I like to call it this like, quiet nudge inside of you that it's like a pressing and it just comes to you as a thought, a repeating thought that is strong. It has some weight on it. And as I had this thought over and over about, I need to move back to Texas. I need to move to the DFW area in Texas. I just thought, well, surely I don't know how that's even possible. I don't even know where that thought came from. I would tell it to my husband. He would say, absolutely not. We've got lots of properties here. We've got jobs here. We're we're very, very connected here. We're not going anywhere. And I thought, okay, I hear you. You're the leader of our family. I hear you. And so I would give it back to the Lord and I would surrender it. And I'd say, Father, if this is not of you, please take it away. (laughs) Take away this thought. Take away this even desire that's growing in me and just yield it to him. But it it wouldn't leave. It just kept coming up and kept coming up. And I like to teach people that, that it's really a way to hear the voice of the father nudging us in a direction that he has a plan for our life. He has a, a design. He's the master designer. And if we will choose to yield to that, there is so much reward and great breakthrough on the other side. When it's presented to us, it feels really scary. It feels really intimidating is a great word. Well, let me pause on that point. You said the thought has weight. I love that description because I get that. I've experienced that in my own life. And it's this thought that's continually recurring and you can't deny it. And I love that you prayed, Lord, take this thought from me if it's not from (laughs) you, but it didn't go away. So there's an answer. Yes. And give me discernment. Is this thought from you? Is it my flesh? Is it the enemy? Where is it coming from? And what happened next? Well, I had to pray through it. 
because my husband was not receiving that same thought at the same time. So I just said, all right, show me your plan. I'm willing. And I think that's the key is that place of surrender, not my will, but your will for my life yielded. And when we yield, God wants those great and glorious plans that he planned for us more than we do. And so that yielding allows him to say, okay, I've got somebody that's ready and willing to obey. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, those that are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. So it's a key to say, I'm so surrendered to your will for my life that I'm open. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to go, I'll go. Well, as it grew and as I prayed through it, I told my husband, would you please pray? He said, yes, I'll pray through it. I asked a few trusted mentors to pray that we would hear clearly and we would not miss what God has for us. And I would declare over myself scripture also in the way that the Lord guides you, orders your steps, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And also that he does not let our foot slip. It's like hinds feet walking along the cliff mm. and it won't slip because I didn't want to, I didn't want to make a mistake. My heart's desire was to do what he wanted me to do. Yeah. And so he asked me to intercede for my husband to hear clearly. And instead of using my words to worry and speak worry out of my mouth, oh no, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to pull the kids out of school? And where are we going to live? And we don't have a job there. And we didn't have a job. It was totally by faith. Then I just thought, okay, I hear you, Lord. Don't say those words out of my mouth and use that mental energy of worry all towards faith and interceding. So that's what I did. And then the breakthrough came. He told my husband, we're moving to Texas as I yielded to the Lord to obey him. What I love is you didn't talk to your husband about it after that point. You talked to the Lord about it. And that's where you kept your focus. Yes. And that's a key. That's a key because if we get in the natural and we try to make things happen on our own, all of us are pretty good at trying to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, that's what happened with Abraham. And, and Ishmael and Isaac. And so it's like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to stay in the flow of what God has for our lives. And that, that includes humility and surrender of, I don't have all the answers. Lord, you do, you know, the plans that you have for me. They're not for harm. They're not for disaster, but they are for a hope and a future. So I just submit my will to your will for my life. Now lead me and I will go. Don't you love how God gives grace to the humble? Amen. That's what you did. You humbled yourself and he poured out his grace. He answered your prayers for your husband. He hears from the Lord. We need to move. What happened next? We took this giant leap of faith. When I say that, it truly in your flesh feels like a scary leap of faith. <laughs> Even though we step out in boldness to do these things, I want people to know it doesn't mean the feelings go away. I think that's important today because when God asks you to do something, he's saying move forward with bold faith and don't listen to all of the emotions and the feelings swarming inside of you, including all of the thoughts in the natural. How will we live? How will we pay bills? How are we going to live there? How are we going to get our kids adjusted? My husband doesn't have a job yet. But what it does is it exercises the faith muscle. God, I believe you that if you told me to go here and you're opening this door by, you told my husband to go too, 
then you're going to provide everything we need. And it's according to you, your provision, not us having to take care of ourselves. And so you did move. How long ago was that move? That was 10 years ago. In 2013, we moved to Texas. And I will say this for the first six months, doubt and unbelief tries to come in and steal your blessing. Because I, I'm telling you, yes, it was a joyful day when we stepped in faith and we did it. God opened some doors. We bought a house. We were very excited. We put our kids in public school. We started to meet our neighbors. We planted ourselves in a church, a wonderful church in Southlake. Many great things. But also in the day-to-day, thoughts try to come into your mind to get you to believe the enemy's lies that you miss God in some way, that he tries to get you to say, oh, wow, you made a mistake. Oh, you miss God. And so it's a ton of spiritual warfare where these thoughts try to take you out of that faith realm so that you start doubting God and you start doubting his word. And that was really important for us to get up every day, get into the word of God, like I mentioned earlier, sit in a quiet place, turn on some soft worship, and say, speak to me, Lord. I need to hear your voice. And that voice of the Lord, I do want to touch on that. It's not an audible, big, booming voice from heaven. It's literally a still small voice inside of you that you feel this love and this warmth. I've got you. You're right in the center of my will. You're being obedient and I am with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Keep going. That six-month period was utterly crucial to your future, wasn't it? Where you had to work through that challenge of believing and staying on course with the word he gave you. Every day, every day it was, I've got to fight for what God has promised me. I've got to stand firm. Ephesians chapter six talks about the armor of God. And when you've done all to stand, stand firm. So many people miss the promise and the blessing because they give up right before the breakthrough. They literally just doubt God because the devil tells them over and over and over, oh, you don't have what it takes. Oh, this wasn't for you. Oh, you're in the wrong place. Oh, you should go back to where you were. You don't belong here. But it was a promised land the Lord had for us. And after that, the 10 years that followed, we have seen so many miracles, so many breakthroughs, so many promises of God fulfilled in our life. And the blessing of the Lord has increased every single year since we took that bold step of faith. Share a few examples of that, if you would, please. Well, for one, I feel like there's other people on the other side of our boldness and our obedience. And because I believe so strongly that we are to be the light in the world and to share the love of Jesus everywhere we go so that others can know him and know the good news of what he's done for us. Then when we first moved, I knocked on all my neighbor's doors and I invited them to my house to come to Bible study. I didn't know any of them and said, hey, I'm just going to have a ladies Bible study It's Tuesdays at 10 o'clock, come to my house and we're going to get in the word of God and be encouraged and encourage one another. I had this one friend across the street and she said, you know, I don't think I can come. I don't really know the Bible very well. And I'm just, I don't know if that fits me. I said, you know what? I'm inviting you to come as you are. And she showed up and her life was radically changed forever. 
and her family's life is radically changed forever. Now she loves Jesus with all of her heart. She reads her Bible every day. She's totally on fire for God. And so is her husband and her four children that are all making a huge impact at Texas A&M University, totally on fire for God and now influencing others to come to know him. Mm, So powerful. How about another example? Another example would be that the Lord told me that year that we moved 10 years ago, when, when really, like you said, that six months was so pivotal to the future where you could give up and doubt God and let go of the promises because of fear. And fear something I've had to battle. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I have fought. When I say I have bold faith, it doesn't mean that I have not had to fight fear off to have that bold faith. <laughs> Some people think, oh, you're just born with boldness and you're born with that. No, you're not. You actually fight for it. And the verse that I really relied upon and then I'll share the this specific example. But the verse I really relied upon is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I had to say it over and over and over. I had to put verses on cards. I had to write them down and keep them in front of me, little note cards, carry them in my purse, put them in my car, drive around because I had fought fear many years ago with panic attacks, that kind of thing. We had back in 2005, back in Albuquerque, my brother had passed away. And after that, I had gone through panic attacks of attacking me and it really was linked to my destiny. It was linked to the purpose of God in my life. So when I overcame it and the Lord healed me and delivered me from it in Albuquerque, as soon as I stepped into this destiny moment, I call them destiny moments because it's a crossing over to obey God for something he has for your life. And the devil wants to steal it and stop the plan of God and the flow of God in your life. So he hit me with a wall of anxiety and fear. Right when we moved and we stepped out in that bold faith, I had that six month window of fighting that good fight of faith against fear and anxiety, specifically When I would drive around town, I was driving on a freeway in DFW. I had a panic attack. It was not fun. It was not good, especially if you're the only one driving in the car because you need to get off the highway quickly and begin to breathe and begin to think straight. So, you know, it's it's not fun. I I know there's probably listeners that know what I'm talking about it, but if if someone's heart races and it's hard to be, if you're short of breath and it's hard to think clearly, it's really, really difficult to drive a car at the same time. So I got off and I just heard all this bombardment of lies. You made the wrong choice. You don't belong here. You'll never have a future here. You'll never have a destiny here. You should go back. And I had to out loud with my own mouth say, no, in the name of Jesus, I bind that thought. I take it captive right now in Jesus' name. And I ask the Holy Spirit to help me. I need your power right now. I thank you, Jesus, that you have given me the ability to overcome this. And I mean, I had to get these verses on these note cards. I had to start speaking them out loud. And I fought for freedom. I fought for freedom. Because if the devil would have had his way, he would have shut me down completely so that I did not move forward into all that God has done in the last 10 years. What was obviously critical was speaking the word of God out loud and declaring 
the truth. 100%. And specifically, that was the year that I started the nonprofit that I have, G3 Ministries, which is for girls of all ages, 10 and up, junior high, high school, college age. Now it's young adult moms and grandmoms, but then it was elementary girls is where we started. And this was in my heart. It was a dream from the Lord. It was birthed in my heart from God. But fear and intimidation tries to stop you from the plan of God for your life. So during this window, when I'm fighting off all of the panic trying to come back on me, that's when the Lord is birthing this in my heart. Well, then you've got to have boldness and faith to step out to start a ministry at the same time that you're fighting off fear and anxiety. So quoting the word of God, declaring it out of your mouth is so key because it's even the key to salvation. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. It's powerful. The word of God out of our mouth brings power. Yes. You know, as you're sharing this, I'm literally thinking of Nehemiah with the sword in one hand and then building the wall in the other. Yes. With respect to the G3 ministry that God led you to start. I'm curious, Diana, how can people find out more about you and your ministry? Well, now we do events in the DFW area for all of these ages of girls. Like I said, it started with elementary and then the Lord just kept growing it. And that's a key too. you know, he's asking us just like Nehemiah to work with what's in our hands. Don't wait and think, you know, I've got to have it all lined up, all my ducks in a row. I'm sharing with you today that it's the simple steps of obedience that he's looking for. When we take that step, he gives us more. And we take another step and he gives us more. And each time our capacity to carry the dream of God that he has planned for our life grows and expands. And before you know it, we have this bold and courageous faith that we started with fear and intimidation and trembling. But we said, fear isn't my portion. Fear doesn't belong to me, but faith does. And that's really what I had to do. I had to do that exchange of, I refuse to live under a spirit of fear because God didn't give it to me. So I reject it and it's not mine and I'm not going to receive it. Because many people just take whatever comes and knocks at their door and it's not my package. I'm not receiving that. (laughs) I'm sorry, that has somebody else's name on it. And it, it actually says warning you know, flammable, or it says something dangerous, dangerous contents. I'm like, no, I'm not receiving that. So instead I had to take by faith the promises of God. Now G3 ministry started with 12 girls in my home. And now we have events with 300 women, all ages, girls, junior high, high school, college, moms and grandmoms, three generations of blessing, grandmother, mother, and daughter. And we're doing some events this spring in the DFW area. Waco will be our next area, and I'm hoping Oklahoma soon. So lots of expansion, and really the year of 2024, we're going to be growing at awesome capacity. The Lord just said he's pouring out more. They can find it at godgirlsgreatness.com is the website, and dianadayburks.com is my website. And it's just exciting to be on an adventure with God and let him lead. As we finish here, Diana, would love to have you pray for our listeners. Absolutely. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you so much for every person that is tuned in to hear this message today. Father, it's by divine appointment that they are here. 
It's not by accident that they came across this podcast or someone that loves them shared it with them. It is by your divine design that you have positioned them today to hear this message of faith and boldness, this message of courage. I release right now in the name of Jesus to every listener of Bold and Courageous Faith that they would take you at your word, that they would believe what your word says, greater and stronger than their emotions or their doubt or unbelief. That, that any lies of the devil would try to tell them that they're not enough or they don't have what it takes to carry out the assignment of God on their life or they need more of something. Lord, you've given them everything that they need to succeed in the call that you have for their lives. You have assignments from heaven for every single person listening. They were formed in their mother's womb in every single detail you place there on purpose. So, Father, I ask you right now to awaken inside of them the dream of God, the gift that you have given them, all of them coming together and working together for your glory, the gifts that you've positioned inside of them since they were even formed in their mother's womb, Lord, even before they were born, you knew the paths that they would walk on. You knew the destiny and the purpose that you had for their life. I just pray right now through them listening to this message today, that it stirs up the gift of faith inside of them. It stirs up by the power of the Holy Spirit, a hunger and a desire to live in that perfect will of God for their life, that they would begin to seek you with all of their heart and hear what you are saying to them. And even if their emotions or their feelings are swarming around in all of this noise inside of them, that they would be quiet and they would be still to hear your voice, that still small voice inside of them saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the direction I want you to go. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would have bold and courageous steps. They would have faith to take those steps, Lord. You would show them the next step. Show them, Lord. You don't show us the whole picture, but you show us the next step. And I pray that you would just impart in them ability your power, not our own ability. It's not by our own power, or our own doing, but your grace through that humility, your power to obey, your power to take that step. I thank you, Father, for all the listeners that your plans for them are wonderful. Your plans for them are beautiful. And you have so many people that you want to minister to and touch through their lives. And I just pray Ephesians 3.20 over them that you are able, Lord, to do exceedingly abundantly more in their life this year than they can ask, think, dream, or imagine according to the power of God in them and working through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for sharing your story. It was such a blessing. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me on today. It was such an honor and privilege. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.